how many people sit in the family? No, no, you're you you being you're coming down too hard on him. Jack Levinston asked me. I wanna I wanna answer Jack. Okay. Um, One second. We need to press recording. Recording. Okay. Recording in progress. Great. Okay. Today is Sunday, November twenty sixth, twenty twenty three. And uh, let me begin as we should. You hear it. Achenu kol beit Yisrael hanetunim batzara b'shivyom dim beibiyam bein biabashal vein bavir hamakom yirachem aleim v'yotzei mitzara l'ravacha me'afelu liyoda mishibad legula hashda bagala v'zman kariv v'noma amen. I want to dedicate today's shia. I, I had a good friend in B'nai Akiva. We were in the same shave at the same age. Uh, Elkanah Schwartz, we called him Cooney. He's the only Cooney I ever knew. And he was a, just a great guy. He was a Chaim Berlin boy. And in my time in the early 50s, mid-50s, uh, B'nai Akiva had a lot of Chaim Valim boys, Torah Vadas boys. It was a, a different world than today. And the Kuni and I were very good friends. Uh, he went on uh, to go into the rabbinate, public relations. He had a, a, an advanced degree. I believe he worked for politicians, had to relate to the Jewish community. And he was rabbi of a shul that was basically within walking distance of Chabad of 770. It was closer to Williamsburg and uh, he, it was considered the last shul in Brooklyn that somewhat represented the generation of the 1920s, the 1930s. Uh, over the years, the shul became very weak, uh, Either people moved away or people became Chabatnikim in Brooklyn. And Cooney, I, I remember, moved to Borough Park. And he used to walk every Shabbat to the shul. It was about an hour and a half, a two-hour walk. And uh, today, uh, the shul is a bit resuscitated because Chabat is spilling over beyond uh, Eastern Parkway. And uh, the rabbi, I understand, is a mismach of YU, but also with roots to Chabad. And uh, Kuni married late. I also remember we were always trying to fix him up. And even Malka, when I said he died uh, last week, and Malka said to me, did he ever get married? I said, yeah, he was in his early 40s when he got married. I understand a very wonderful marriage. And he left a son and daughter who, from what I gather, are Kalina Hasidim. So that's also interesting uh, uh, where the children wound up, the grandchildren. And what's amazing is the day after he died or something like it, he had the Brit of, of, twi of twins that were born. And the Brit was held in his house, the widows home now and 
the boy was named after him. So it's just amazing that he already had a name uh, during the week of Shiva. And I recall Kuni's memory very fondly. Uh, Here's his, here's, let's just see. and I just want to see the name of the shul, uh, Congregation Kol Israel, and here's Cooney's picture. Uh, does anyone know him here? Rabbi Elkanah Schwartz, uh, a, a sweetheart. Man. He worked for Jewish Life, I remember, and uh, uh, a flood of memories come back. Um, Regarding the demonstration and what happened with Rabbi Feldman, so I, I have to say that I'm in good company. I always am happy when I express my opinion and then I learn that others who I look up to have the same opinion. And if I can quote many emails I received, his explanation of why he didn't go is worse than his not going, and it's very sad. I called it a parish on the Rambam in relation to Porish Min It's exactly what Porish Min means, word by word. But I don't want to spend any more time. I only hope that the young people will see beyond and what I feel very bad about is that no one but no one outside of yours truly has mentioned the Rambam. Everyone, uh, their critique of him is for many reasons, but I would begin with the Rambam. I am a Talmud of the Rav, and if you have a Rambam, you have someone on your side that's very powerful, and that's Perik Gimel, Hilchat Shiva, Halachi Yeralaf, and I'm very sorry no one in America is quoting it. Am I the only one in the world who remembers what the Rav said, who knows the Rambam? I hope not. But it, and without mentioning that guy's name, he really. So this morning I wrote to Baltimore, and Yoma wouldn't let me write. I didn't want to give him a title. I say this man is not worthy of yeah, any title. But uh, Yomo insisted I put R period. Okay, I don't want to fight with Yomo because when you fight with him, you always lose. You can never win. Uh, I, I have to say that there's a tremendous reaction. It's just a shame that that's he's, he's uh, well, that the sh- and Rav Weinberg and Rabbi. Z- what you don't even realize is that at one time they had a Chag HaSmicha there and the guest speaker was no less than Rabbi Zev Gold, who was the leader of Mizrahi and in, in, in a world leader of Mizrahi. Mohon Gold, who I taught for so many years, was named in his memory. Mohon Gold, in memory of Rabbi Zev Gold. He was Rabbi of Shomriya Munir in Borough Park. He was a, a litvashit to begin with. The Rav had tremendous derecherits for him. The Rav's uh, hesped for Rav Zevgold is classic, if you're familiar with it. It's been reprinted many times. And uh, it, it hurts. It just hurts. Jews are being killed. 
and, and fighting against Zionism, I, if I can quote Rakefet and others say it now, I've said it for decades, Zionism doesn't exist today. Pro-Zionism. The state of Israel is a reality. That's what we're talking about. And, and over 7 million Jews are living here, and millions and millions of Shomri Shabbos. State of Israel is a reality. Who are you fighting? You're fight and I have to say, Baruch Shekivanti Rabbi Beryl Wine also has spoken very strongly on the topic. Now, I just want to say one more word before I begin this year. And uh, Jack asked me, um, what is the halacha with pigeon shfuyim? All right, for me to go into it now would take another year. I, I, don't, I don't want, I just want to teach new material. I hope someone that someday if what I've said over the decades is of any importance, they'll go back to my notes. I have hundreds of thousands of pages of notes here in Gris, here and in my room. Don't ask. But I, I just want to say, give you a source. First of all, it all begins with the Mishnah in Gitten, Dachman, Heyomed Aleph, Ein Poldinat Ashvum, Yoter, Akedei Dimehem, Mehtikon Olam. And you go to the Mishnah, go to the Gemara, go to the Rambam, go to the Shulchan Aruch. You can work it out. There's no question that the Marami Rutenberg is a golden example of Pidgin Shvuyim, how he refused to let himself be retained. This gentleman who just looked in, you were here last week too, right? Welcome, welcome here. Sit here, I can see your face. Give me, give me your name. Welcome. Name. Jacob Horn. Jacob Horn. Where are you from? San Diego. San Diego. Wow. That's the other end of the world. And there you're safe because Iran cannot just reach you in San Diego. What did you say? Ah. Okay. San Diego and you're at Mahon Lev? Okay. So you should know my eldest grandson, Jacob. Everyone knows you as Jacob or Yaakov? Depending on what language I'm speaking in. One second, one second. Are you married? No. You go out with a girl. You have a girlfriend. No. If you go with, if you're going to call a girl for a date, let's say uh, Yossi sets you up, will you say, hi, this is Jacob, or hi, this is Yaakov? Jacob. But if I'm speaking... Jacob. Your mother calls you Jacob? Yes. There's a Ramban. That obligates me to call you Jacob, not Yaakov. Okay? For the time being. <laughs> not time the poor guy got hit so high, you don't know I hit him already. Okay, Jacob. Uh, so, ain't put in the Shvuyim. And the Marami Rottenberg, as you know, remained in jail for 13 years till he died. It's unbelievable. And uh, you also know that all these halachas are applicable when there's no sakonet nefasha, but when it's your life hangs in the balance, could be pulled in at the shvuyim yotel de mayhem. Okay, it's an interesting question. I have to tell you, over the weekend, 
I, I read quite a few halachic analyses, including, I'm holding in front of me, this is the publication of Machon Meir and Rav Shlomo Avimeir always has the back page. He deals with it. Sheva Rav Malamid deals with it. And I have to say it's not much different than what I said many years ago. But I want to give you a very important source. And... Uh, a guy named Aaron Rakefet. It's an article originally published in Tradition. It, uh, I, I won't, it, you don't need the Tradition. It was published spring 1991, but it was republished in Rakefet Aaron Chelik Bet. And the article is entitled Surrendering Jews to the Nazis in the light of halakha. And I deal with this problem in death. In, I spoke with the Rav, with the last time I spoke with the Rav, eye to eye, 1983, in his apartment in New York. We discussed this topic in detail. And it may be that here we go beyond the black and white halakha because we're dealing with the survival of the Jewish people. We're dealing way beyond individuals. We're dealing with something that affects Klal Yisrael, Am Yisrael, in our language, Medinat Yisrael. And it could very well be that the Ein Poltenet Nashvim, period. And we just have to stand firm. And Vic was all upset. He's all upset today. You hear what he said uh, before class. Uh, class began. Elliot is still shaking. And uh, I said all along, told my family, if I were running the country, my attitude would be, we don't do any deal unless it's every last hostage, and it's one for one. We don't give three for one. You got to remember what happened to us with the Shalit redemption. I lived through it. I suffer. Uh, his parents were divorced. They hired a public relations firm. They just asked the head of public relations, do you regret what you did? He double talked. Um, as a result of, and, and they told them, make believe you're still married. It'll look better for the public. As a result of getting back Shalit, and he should live and be well. I, I, I'm not mad at, I'll tell you in a second, thousands upon thousands of Jews have been killed. One person, thousands, thousands have been killed. But here we come to the heart of the problem. Excuse me? No, 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 no. One second, one second. Look at what John. Vic, 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 we agree, but there's now one problem, and this is what I told my children, my grandchildren, weeks ago. The parents, there's no way you can stop a parent from pleading, give me back my child. And unfortunately, the politicians will bend. 
will yield. How do we solve the problem? Today I finally saw a solution. Go online to Arut Sheva and see what Jonathan Pollard had to say. It, the headline reads, what does it say? Sort of jail the parents to keep them quiet. Put gags on them. And this is the unbelievable dilemma that we face. And there's no easy solution. Halavai, I would be the prime minister, and I would not bend. 250 for 250. All. This is not going to let you hold us over the open pit and drive us crazy and torture us. Okay. With that being said, Jack, look up my article and see what I came up with. I come up with something I never forget. I was dealing with the problem, and I found the source, Kaliacha Yara Bejakov, and I told it in class, and I, one week later, another, not a little guy like me, but a great Rav, speaking about a similar problem, cited the same source. And I always wondered, did we both discover it? Well, no, he's an English speaker. I know some Rabbanim listening to my Shayurim. So I'll never know whether Baruch Shekivanti or Baruch Shegiliti. Okay, with that being said, let us move on. Um, we're now starting a very sad topic that uh, has t tortured me. I, I, I grew up, I admit I was very naive. Uh, you know, I was a kid of 11 and I was exposed to the Shanghai crowd. I was exposed to the Mir, Rabbi Yankalevich, my seventh grade Rebbe, Rabbi Henech Fishman, to whom I dedicated the article or the essay or the postdoc research in Chakira. I was exposed to these people and I became a total bentora, at least attempted to be a total bentora. And I was able to manage wonderful worlds, Yeshiva University, Bnei Akiva, uh, Baruch Hashem. It was with all the difficulty growing up in the Bronx and 700,000 Jews, 99% uh, not observing Yiddishkeit, no concept of Yiddishkeit. Some didn't care about Yiddishkeit. But Baruch Hashem, but I was very naive. It took me many decades to realize that most people don't give a hoot about religion and about God and about Torah and about continuity and about our past and our future. Most people care here today and the world centers around them, the individual, Woodstock, Avodah Darkeya Mori, I'm the arbiter I decide. More than that, their, their sins, that psychological problems that people have, sexual desires that are overwhelming and sickening, 
And it's a difficult world out there. It took me a long time to realize it. I admit I was very naive, and I'm any model Kaddish Baruch Hu. I married a fabulous lady, and my children are very proud of them. Very proud. But there's a real world out there, and uh, it's that world we have to contend with. Now, I'll tell you something off the cuff. What's uh, being recorded, uh, I can't stop the recording. But uh, the Rav uh, grew up in America. What do I mean he grew up? When he came to Boston, he was very strong and said what was on his mind. And uh, you know his earliest machlekes in America? Do you know who we're talking about, the Rav, who I mean? I'm, I'm, to me, the Rav is Rav Avram. Is, is Rav Yosef Dov HaLevi Salavechik. When I taught in Michalar before you were born in the 71, and I mentioned the Rav, everyone thought it was Rav Avram Yitzchak, a coin cook. So it depends on your audience, but uh, the, if, you're, if you're a, uh, a, a, a Lubavitcher, the Rav is the Baltanya, the Shulchanar uh, HaRav it's called, you follow? But I'm talking, whenever I say the Rav, I mean Moria Rebbe, my Rebbe who the older I get, the more I know, the more I appreciate my Rebbe. You understand? He's sitting, I used to sit here and he sat here when I was in his class, if you saw the picture. But today, he's sitting here. Okay? So, the Rav is first machoikis. No, do you know what the first machoikis was? Zach, no? What, what? No, nah, that's before Kashrus. First. No, no, no. First Machlaikis, let me tell it to you. First Machlaikis was Yante fell on Shabbos. And in the shoe he was in Boston. Halel Tuchening. Tuchening. It's a famous story. The Rav used to tell it and laugh, but he said at the time I was crying. And, and the Rav was made them in Daf Tuchening. What does Shabbos have to do with Tuchening? Avadi after Dukhan, all the more Shabbos and Yantav. Right? Kutzlar, it's where we have joy, peace. And the Balabatim called them a Machalo Shabbos. That he insisted after Dukhan on Yantav falling on Shabbos, Schilo Shabbos. Now it's his first Machlaikis, and that shoe was so mad at him, the Amratzat, you understand? That they said he can never come. He was selected, like a, a whole group of shoes. There was no concept of a of a, an Orthodox shoe having a rabbi at that time. Everything else given in Yiddish. Everything was in Yiddish, and these shoes got together had a chavreshas. So they, that shoe said, Salavecha cannot come back here. The man is a, is a Machayel Shabbos, that you took it on Shabbos. That was his first Machayel Then he had other problems. Kashrit, okay, Rakefet may, makes a living out of giving lectures on what happened in Boston in, in the 30s into the 40s. But um, then he, he, he became more circumspect. You know, the older you grow, you learn you can't say everything that's on your mind. So there's one thing when he gave a public shia. There were times where he was relaxed and he was off the cuff. So, this was told to me 
by three dear friends, Rabbanim from Queens. I've told you more than once, he was very, very at, at home with the Queens Mafia. And here there was an RCA convention. The RCA convention would always end on Thursday, so the rabbis could get back to the Kehillot for Shabbos. But there were some retired rabbis, non-pulpit rabbis, so if the convention was in the Pioneer or the Pine View, they offered a deal, stay through Monday and give you a nice price for Shabbos Sunday finished. So in the mid-70s, the uh, Queen's Mafia uh, spoke with Rebbe and said, why do you have to go back to Boston? Bringing Shabbos, we'll be together, Shabbos together. There was even a picture from Sunday, they were on a canoe, to, rowing the canoe, and the Rav with a baseball hat on his head to keep the sun away is in the canoe with them. And, uh, Does Rebbe still have a picture? Uh, I'll tell you who had the picture, Roy Albert. I didn't have to, I wasn't there, but Roy Albert had the picture, absolutely. <laughs> he showed it to me, and he took it, yeah, he showed it to me. So, uh, sitting at the table Friday night, they got around the whole discussion. It's something, whenever you go to college, you're going to have this in any course you take in psychology, sociology. What motivates man? So the Rav said, there's three basic, that's what he said off the cuff, but boy was he right. He said there were three basic theories in modern times, what motivates man? And he says, they're all right and they're all wrong. What is the, and he explained himself, he said, each one thinks they are the only reason. Each one is the third. One is Machiavelli, power. And what does power represent? People, a boss, a bureaucracy, okay? They, they, they can torture you. Suddenly a little nobody has endless power. Someone can smack you around and you can't, you want to remain alive. You can't say a word. That's Machiavelli. Marx, money. And Freud, sex, that sexual relationship, everything that develops from it, parents, children, etc. Sex is a great motivating factor. And the Rav brought my Mari Chazal to support each theory. Don't get involved with government because they're only interested in their own power. I just quoted to you, Marx, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, the sexual desire, without that, they couldn't find eggs. Remember chickens? Stopped laying eggs when they knocked out the eye of the sexual desire. So they prayed to God, give us back the sexual desire. Uh, uh, Jacob wakes up in the morning. Why should he call a girl? Why should he get married? He gets a salary. It's all his. No one tells him what to spend it on. He dresses the way he wants. 
He goes to sleep when he wants. I noticed yesterday you're laughing. You got to make adjustments when you get married. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Uh, but you see, the Rav was so insightful, Mark. All three are correct, but it's a third, a third, a third. Now, with that in mind, let's begin. And I want to give you the source I'm talking about. It's uh, one second. Let me pull out my what I Xerox. We're talking about. It's a very long shiva and very important shiva, and it reveals a world. It reveals the world we're living in. It reveals the worlds we come from, and and you'll see at the very end that I personally uh, don't agree with a lot of his thinking. But you have to understand it. Uh, we have the problems in Israel too. This is not just Borough Park. Mishnah Halachat, Chelet Zion, Siman Nun Chet. I repeat, Mishnah Halachat, Chelet Zion, Siman Nun Chet. And we're dealing, uh, uh, Jacob, you, we've been dealing, I fell in love with the Mishnah Halachat many years ago when I was dealing with a Reuven. If you, if you know what I'm talking about, you only have an A Reuven, Borough Park, and Flatbush today because of Reb Menashe Klein. And he was a very fascinating individual. Eli Weisel's Chavrutha from the death camps. And... Uh, now we've been involved for years and many years to come to Yisrael with his published responsible literature. And this shiva was written in 2002 to, I don't know who this is, Dr. Meyer Zelik Oppenheimer from Miami Beach, Florida. And uh, he writes to him that uh, I'm very busy, people are bothering me with many questions. But I saw that your questions are the most difficult questions and are dealing with pikuach nefesh and dinay nefashat. And therefore, I will take time out and try to answer you in detail. And now, he quotes the questions that this doctor has asked. I don't know who the doctor is. My guess is he's a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And he says that today many times we're caught up with the syndrome. And I got to give Rabbi Menashe Klein credit. He uses the modern Hebrew word, syndrome in Hebrew, tismonet. That's the modern Hebrew word that the Vat HaLashen came up with. He says, many times we have the tismonet of a yelet mukah, the chitololut minit ufizit. And children who are beaten up, kid comes to school with black and blue marks. Parents, power. Authority. Machavelli. And I'll tell you what's worse. The less authority a person has, 
the more he'll utilize it in an inhuman way. In other words, for the sake of argument, uh, you're a governor, you're a president, I don't know, you're a rabbi, you have your position. You don't, you have power, you make decisions. You don't have to show it off. But a person who's a nobody, and he has that drive within him, a little bu bureaucracies, classic example. When you come across bureaucracy and the people, and by the way, in Israel, you'll hit some people who, all I can tell you is, when we became, and when we came in Aliyah many decades ago, so at that time, the law was you could not become a citizen right away. You had to be a Toshav Arai for three years. And then you would decide whether you want to be an Ezrach or a Toshav Kavua. The difference being an Ezrach can vote in national elections and a Toshav Kavua cannot, only local elections. That was the main difference, as I recall. So at the end of three years, we go, I still remember it, uh, the Generali building, Malka and I, and we tell them we want to become citizens, change our name, and the kid from his desk pulls out a bottle of vodka and cake, and he says, you want to become citizens? We have to drink a l'chaim first. So you see, that's someone in bureaucracy who has a heart, who's a Jew. It's like what's happened now. The, my grandsons, a few of them got off a, last week. Each one got off a day, two days. So I spoke with almost all my grandsons, those down south and those up north. And one thing they all told me, they have more food than you can imagine. I'm Yisrael. What's being sent down south and up north? Baruch Hashem. All right. So then, then God have mercy. A kid, a kid is in school, and uh, teachers hit him. Teachers. My grandson, the, my great grandson. I'm losing track of generations, but you all know. Part of my family got caught in Baltimore. They were, one of my grandsons married a girl who came in Aliyah from Baltimore all by herself, had the greatest admiration for this lady. Uh, let me give her credit, a PhD in biochemistry, Weissman Institute today. And uh, her parents brought them over for Sukkot. Could you imagine my grandson, my, grandson, my granddaughter-in-law, and three great-grandchildren? And on Shabbat, my grandson got the Tzav Shmona already, and they couldn't get back. United Airlines stopped flying. So my grandson called Alal, and you all know Alal flew back anyone with the Tzav Shmona, Chinam in Kesef, it was paid for by Tzadikim. But finally, my grandchildren, great-grandchildren, Got on, came back with Elal, but it was a big problem. They had to get seats together, and Elal could only accommodate them. They had to wait like a week and a half till Elal could give them 
tickets. So my great-grandson was flabbergasted. In America, the teacher yells at the kids. Here in Israel, there's 35 kids in the class with two teachers. He was in a day school in Baltimore where there were 20 kids with four teachers, a teacher assistant, and the teacher yells at the kids. He was flabbergasted. He goes, this time salts here. No teacher yells at the kids. But you see, ah, oh, but even worse, see, I could never conceive of this. Imagine a teacher sexually assaults a kid. You had this, uh, look, where did you have the big case in, in, in Australia now? Malka Lifa, I don't know if I, 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 it's just, it's beyond my comprehension, beyond my comprehension. Uh, but all right, uh, you just, you have other scandals when, when girls are older, God have mercy, I don't know, I would outlaw men teaching women, I taught Mechon Gold, Mechola, Rabbi Eidman, Zechat Sadik Levracha taught with me, others, uh, who ever heard of a scandal? understand it can't be and yet it can be and uh, as a result of this what's the chok in the Medina every civilized country from San Diego to Manhattan if if a parent doctor sees the kid is black and blue Psychologist sees this girl as being assaulted. I remember there was something in Michala years ago. I don't want to go into details. I was already not teaching there. But the Yedia Tachronot had a whole five-page investigative report. So, and the people involved, one of them was my own student from years before, and she blew the whistle and Michala fired her. A terrible story. So I came home, I was, we, we eat at our children Friday night, and my grandson says, Saba, why are you so upset? At least there was a man and a woman. In other words, there was a male teacher and a female student. And he said, you don't know what goes on with male teachers and male students. Australia was female teacher and female students. Natan, my mind does not understand it. You understand? But this is reality. Rakefet, stop being so naive. This is reality. So now, the law is in every modern country that you have to tell the authorities. You have to go to the police, you have to tell the authorities, and Reb, and, and Reb Menashe Klein says, Lo'aleinu, we even have this in yeshivat and day schools. Wow, wow. Alright, This is the law. Ah, so right away, 
Elliot, what's the shaila here? Misira, Moser. For Jews, there's no worse concept than a Moser. A Moser. We have today, if you saw the news today, I can't believe it, that that lady, that renegade from uh, Chabot, from Satma, who wrote the book Unorthodox. I read the book. I, uh, God have mercy. Ugh. And then the, the, no more than, don't let me not be vulgar, but no more than a streetwalker. Remember, she married this guy, and the money, the machlaikas, and net, net, what's it called? Netflix gets involved in a whole series. She's now in Germany speaking against Israel that we're killing too many Arabs, there should be a ceasefire, etc., etc. We finish the how low can a Jewish lady get? And you see, Natal, I'll tell you what bothers me. If, you, if, if it was Satma, I could say, all right, she was raised, she's rebelling. We have problems with kids raised, the finest chinuch in the world, mamlach didakti, has the yeshivat upanot, and who knows who wound up at the festivities down south on Simchas Torah and Shabbos. I don't want to mention names, but children of the most prominent Rosh Yeshiva, Rabbanim, Haredim, Chadalim, etc. Hashem Yerachim. Now, this is the reality. You have to report it to the police. No, she's the most Sarah, this, this Feldman lady. I think her name is Sarah Feldman. She has German and American citizenship. Explain to me how she got German citizenship. Okay. What do you do? Report. Misa, Misira. They'll lock her up. They'll lock him up. Who knows? Who knows what will happen? All right, that's, remember, you're a psychologist, you're a psychiatrist, you're a good Jew. To be miser on a Jew to the authorities? Big question. I'll, I'll show you the sources, but not now. Now, I but more than a question. And here you come to Yeshiva University. Very sad. So what would happen? And he, and he the hits the nail on the head here. I don't know if this is part of the question that uh, Dr. Oppenheimer is asking. How do you handle it? So let me tell you. When I was growing up, we never heard about questions like this. Did it exist? Didn't it exist? I don't know. Then I find myself teaching. I'm going back now more than 50 years. For the first time in my life, I'm teaching women. I taught women for 31 years. And what I'm telling you is a true story. Can't make it up. It must be 72, let's say, 71, 72. A girl comes over to me in Mahongo, a little lady, 18 years old, 
It was the Tachnit Yud Gimel. And when I started teaching women and men in Israel, they were all much older. Because you didn't come to Israel unless you were a junior in college or a college graduate. But then they came up with the idea of Tachnit Yud Gimel kids the last half year of high school. It had to be dropped. The Tachnit had to be dropped because the kids came and were not serious. They had a good time here. They're going to graduate high school anyway. But for a few years, Elliot, were you hand Tachnit Gimel or regular? You were junior. Ah, you, you were you were serious. Second half a year. Yeah, right. The kids, the Tachnit didn't last. The kids loved it, but it was the beach and having fun. Israel. Some of them were saved for the second year. No, I, I, I look. I, I have no complaints. Some of my closest relationships are with students that I taught in Tachnit Gimel, because that's the age that you can influence them. They're not here to influence me to put on a beard, pay us a black hat, and look like a rav and walk with a shtekin that uh, Vic wants to buy me with a golden handle. Vic, you're okay. I love you. Don't worry about it. But you see, what happened? This lady comes over to me. I don't want to mention her name. I remember her name vividly. I remember just the way she looked. A teacher who made believe he never went to YU. A right way, as if he was Chaim Berlin by left. Why are you Musma? It's no longer his family has sexual problems. He's not the only one. He came on to this girl with vulgarity. And she came crying to me. And I would meet with her in the teacher's room in a corner. We had a whole room where teachers sat around, drank coffee, had a they used to bake, give us fresh cake. 10.30 in the morning was a good... I used to say about Israel, they give you cake and coffee, but they don't give you a salary, but Baruch Hashem. And uh, I, I, I was very good to the girl. I counseled her and I comforted her. And I want you to know she was so makira tova that over the years I remained in touch. I, I, and... She married into a very well-to-do family. She gave tens of thousands of dollars to Shvutami in my honor. You follow the Russian involvement. But look what I didn't do. Zach, it never dawned upon me to go to the dean and the daikan of Mahongo, who was a fabulous individual, and say to him, Gabi, you get rid of that mamza, or I'm not teaching him. You follow? You follow, Jacob? It never dawned upon me. All right, let him teach. How much? Terrible. Here's what he describes. Boy, is this real. And he says, occasionally when it happened in a yeshiva, what did they do? They kicked the teacher out but they never publicized it. Zach, sound familiar, or you don't know the history of why you in modern times? Uh, uh, there was a don't mention the name. Yeah, why you had two tremendous problems. Yours truly did his own investigation. I have contacts. I have students who love me and will do, help me, and I know Students who are very successful in their field. I, I checked it out. 
one guilty as charged. Already in Shomer Hadati, there were rumors that he had unnatural tendencies. The other one, stupid, but not guilty as charged. Why do I say stupid? You know, you see, high school kids, there's a chasm between them and the Rebbe. Kids would walk into my class and, and they would say, when I'm they're going back to 62 now, teaching in YU, Yeshus was Chochanan, but these were kids of high school age. They look at the Rebbe and they say, who can be like the Rebbe, he said, So you've got to show the kids you're a normal guy. No, I wowed them with my baseball knowledge. Elliot, you have no idea what used to go on where I would regale them with stories of my father and Hank Greenberg and saying about baseball and Joe DiMaggio. Oh, my gosh. Some other person involved on that level wrestled with the students. Follow me, show them he's a top wrestler. He can beat the hell out of them. Yeah, but you see, that's very dangerous. That's physical contact. So that particular individual, not guilty, but not too smart. Don't wrestle with students. Follow Rakef's example and wow them with statistics of baseball and Williams and Usual, DiMaggio and Bob Feller and Jacob, you know, what the heck I'm talking about. For Kol HaGadolim Masheba Aretz. Mark, a sideshow in parentheses, when I told the results of my search to Richard Joel, who was suffering, President Joel says to me, Rabarin, you could have saved me $3 million. These are the exact results of the Blue Ribbon Committee. I said, Richard, there's only one problem. You're going to tell the world. Rabbi Rakafet reached this conclusion. Who the heck is Rakafet? What does he know? What the, oh, a blue written commission thing results. But why was why you criticized? Because one of those individuals went on to be a principal elsewhere, right or wrong. And they never reported it never revealed it, never told elsewhere. See, this is a very delicate problem. Rakefi tells the story 1971. He didn't say to the dean, all right, who thought of it then? 1990s, they did throw out the individual. No one reported it elsewhere. And if you recall, they wanted to bring Rabbi Lamb up in charges. And remember what went on? A reporter went to his house. Finally, the judge said that he's not functioning with all his facilities. He was older and had health problems and mental problems. <laughs> Leave him out of this. No. Moria Rebbe was criticized. The Rav, from what I understand, the Rav said to this individual, you can no longer teach boys, men, get out. 
kicked them out to Israel, but didn't call the police. But you see, this was the mentality then. And, and, and he, Reb Menashe Klein and this whole question, if, if you don't call the police, how do you know that it won't happen elsewhere? And yesterday I want to tell you a little story. I have a few good things I've done in my life. And this may be one of them. I remember like yesterday, there was a big scandal in, war in the OU. It almost destroyed the OU. You see, people get angry and jump to conclusions. The big scandal in the OU. I don't want to mention the name of the person involved. You all know who I'm talking about. That individual, I, never, I, I don't know him. I don't know him at all. I have one memory that someone was making noise in the hall while I was teaching in 1960s in YU. And I said to my students, who's making that noise? And they said, oh, he's an older guy, but he gets excited. And, and if I recall correctly, I went out and told them, please be quiet, I'm teaching. And uh, I, I still remember what he looked like. And that's the person that later got involved with this scandals, later went to jail. Now, before the NCSY scandal became news all over the world, and remember he was principal of a high school in New Jersey. So suddenly I hear that they're interested him in Melbourne. Now Australia has very big institutions, the Mizrahi is very big there, Chabad is very big, and they work hand in hand with each other. Tremendous amount of students, Mount Scopus, Yeshiva College, I don't want to go into more detail because it will take too much time, but it's fabulous institutions. There's only one problem, they don't turn out rabbis there. Where do you get good teachers? Where do you get good principles? Where do you get good mechanchem? They're always searching. America, Israel. So I find out that they're very seriously considering that individual from OU in New Jersey. And they don't know anything. Nothing was publicized yet. You should know my best friend was the nephew of the leading Chabad Rav, the man who they say built the Frumkite in Melbourne, in Australia. I said to Tzvi, you call your uncle? And his uncle knew me because I'd been Scotland residence there in 2000. I was there for a month, Melbourne and Sydney. I said, you call your uncle and tell your uncle, Hasva Khalil at the high of the sky, there are terrible rumors about him. And you should know that they checked it out 
and they got back to me and thanked me. But you see, this is a terrible problem. Can you report him? Can't you report him? If, if you should report him, Monsieur, and these are the questions that came to Rev. to Rev. Menashe Klein. And I have to be honest with you, I can't think of more difficult questions. You're dealing here with Dean in the full sense of the word. So, first of all, let me give you the halacha in the Shulchan Aruch. And you'll see this halacha is very strong. Shulchan Choshin Mishpat, Shin Pei Chet. Sif Katan Tet. And again, I have to caution you. You're dealing with Jews throughout the ages. The anti-Semitism that we have faced is beyond comprehension. Mark comes from Chicago today, originally Holyoke. Spiritual creation was in Holyoke. But you come from Chicago. Chicago always had a large Jewish community. Who would ever dream that the day would come that in Chicago there's public anti-Semitism? New York, I got an email, a Yomo can testify, a Talmud is boasting that he has been on the subway a few times since the terrible Shabbat Simchas Torah, and he wears a black hat, etc., and no one has said an anti-Semitic word to him. My dear friend, you're the exception that proves the rule. Who would ever dream in Beverly Hills in California they're demonstrating outside the homes of Jews that are active in APAC. So, and this is in America, Medina Shel Chesed. Remember all our lectures on Thanksgiving Day. Yes, no, celebrate. A Talmud this year brought me a gift, a can of cranberry sauce. Thanksgiving Day. Zeichel Another Talmud asked me if I celebrate Thanksgiving. I have to be honest, when my wife and I left America, we never thought we'd see the United States again. We left. Gone on Aliyah was the Six-Day War. Wow. Remember what I said? This war is much harder for me. Of course, Yom Kippur War, we still had so much faith in our politicians and generals. After 53 years in Israel, 54 years, oh boy, I agree with Vic. We don't have so many G'daylem Ha'Sheba'aretz. The faith is gone. But a man has to do Hishtatlut. But imagine if we have anti-Semitism today in the USA, Canada, the Prime Minister, Ireland, what the Prime Minister said, we're not getting back hostages, these were children 
who were lost, they should pull his tongue out. I'm a proud Jew. I grew up making on his lap. If I met him, I send my grandchildren. I have very strong grandchildren. I'm a weak one compared to them. Wow. Pull his tongue out. I have grandchildren, Sanchanim. I get nervous just thinking of jumping out of a plane. Why they still have Tzanchenim, I don't know, but it's it's considered an elite infantry unit. We haven't used paratroopers as paratroopers since 56, the middle of past. That was the last time they jumped to be behind Egyptian lines. If today we have problems like this, imagine for the last 2,000 years plus, Goyim, hate us. Crusades, Khmelnytsky massacres, hatred, enmity, and you're going to be him to the government? And this is the halacha. Asurim soy li Yisrael biyad akum. Bain Bagufo, Bain Bamam. No, no. Alright, fine. You can't be Mysore Jew. Even physically. He did terrible things. Arrest them. Throw them into the dungeon. But not just his body. Yesi, you know a guy was a robber. He robbed theft. Stock market through it. Ponzi schemes. No. You can't be Mysican. What he did is wrong. But don't put him in the hands of Goyim. Just listen. Va'afilu haya Russia. Va'bala Veda. Wow, the guy is a machalo shabbos. He needs from Professor Gorat just wrote a boat about a book about Marty Glickman, was a Jewish sportscaster. And in the book, he writes and describes uh, with, with admiration who he was. And he ate pork chops with the, with the Goyim. I don't know. I wouldn't write a book about someone who was Jewish and ate pork chops in public. But imagine you have someone who is a Russia Gomer. A Mechalo Shabbos, an Ochlin Nevelet Mtrefat, a bum that carries a, a playgirl on his arms, a different one every day. And even such an individual, you cannot be Moser to the authorities. Wow. Wow. More than that, nothing, you can't walk out early today because you'll walk away just with this. I'm going to give you more, sir. But, 
But I want you, this is the halacha, this is the shulchan aruch, this is the chayshim mishpat. And the Ramah says, and I better be careful how I say it, or Yomu's going to go into orbit. V'chol ha-moseh Yisrael b'yar'akum b'en b'gufo b'en b'mamono en lo chelek li'olam haba. Black and white. Ad k'deikach. If you do this terrible thing, and you give over a Jew, and it doesn't matter what type of Jew, a Jew who eats Chazer on Yom Kippur, and puts it into a bread sandwich and freezes it, and takes it out on Pesach, Shabbos Cholomorid, and heats it up in the oven, even a Jew like that, Ein Lecha, Wow. What, what's going on there? What are they singing? Achenu Kobar, I said that before an hour ago. They say the hill in person. Hey, Vante. All right. Israel. All right. I'm with them. But to keep it down. My dear students. Jacob, how can we run a government? How are you going to run a government? How are you going to run Israel? Misa. All right, you might say they're Jews here, not Goyim. Where do we draw the line? Okay. Mori Rebbe in Koldo Dido Fake speaks of six great miracles that happened in the state of Israel. Whenever I've lectured on Koldo Dido Fake, I always speak about a seventh miracle. I have lived here 54 years. Anyone who's lived here since 48 will tell you the same thing. I don't recall one day without security problems, political problems. I don't recall one day without tension. Maybe, maybe one day, July 4th, 1976. Jacob, you know what happened on that day. And Tebi, they came back. That was love, my alma haday. Could be there was one other evening that was unreal. That was in eight, 1981. I told you this many times when Yosef Hatzadik Mendelovich landed at Lud Airport after 11 years, 10 years in prison and Ronfman forced the hand of the Soviets, got him out. Unbelievable. And that, that night, remember I told you how he wanted to walk to the Kotel? <laughs> they had to talk him out of it, that uh, it's too far, but the procession stopped at what's called the Sakharov Memorial today, that corner. From there he walked to the Kotel. And every block more people joined him. 
He reached the Kota with midnight. I was there with my wife, my children. There were like 50,000 people at the Kota midnight dancing with Joseph at Sadiq. Those were two moments that were made Olam Haba. Every other day, tension. And with it all, more svarim, more research, more chidushim in the almost 80 years of Israel's existence, 75 years today, we have produced endless Torah volumes. We've worked at halacha that we can run a modern state that we're able to handle all the problems of modernity and run a proper modern state. This is beyond comprehension. One of the most important safers that we have is Nishmat Avraham by Avraham Sofer Avraham. Interesting name. Avraham first name, Sofer, Avraham, the last two names. Now, this individual, let me tell you a little bit about him. I went to the Wikipedia. He was born in Yerushalayim in 1935. I don't know if he's from the Schreiber family. Sofer may very well be. He's a descendant of the Chatam Seifer. Brilliant individual, studied medicine in Leeds University in England. 1968, got his medical degree. 1974, was one of the top scholarly doctors appointed to one of the most prestigious positions of research in England came back to Israel, 19, early 70s, started to work in Sharet Tzedek. Published more than 80 important medical articles, including three that appeared in the New England Journal of Medicine. Mark, while I mentioned the New England Journal of Medicine, could you put in parentheses something else that Rakefet did in his life that I think also earns him another step to the Olam Haba. I was an American for the first time in my life after I went in Aliyah. I never thought I'd see America again, but the government sent me back to address the Rabbinical Council of America and other places, 1977. Jacob, while I'm in America, I was there alone, not with my wife and children, and uh, I was hosted by the Queen's Mafia. And while I'm staying in Kew Gardens Hills, where Yossi is from, they're all talking about an article that just appeared in the New England Journal of Medicine, and they're quoting the New England Journal like I would be quoting the Rambam. Now, what happened? 
A few years earlier on Yom Kippur in Jewish Center in New York, Rabbi Dr. Norman Lamb was the rabbi. And on Yom Kippur he fainted. And a number of doctors in the audience <coughs> did research. Why do Orthodox Jews faint on Yom Kippur? And the leading article in the New England Journal of Medicine that came out in 77 was an explanation. Why? Caffeine withdrawal. That someone who drinks a lot of coffee, and as you know, coffee is a big seller in the world. You see here in Chris upstairs coffee machines and you grind and uh, beans. I don't know. I survive without coffee and uh, it's a result of this article. You become addicted. Suddenly on Yom Kippur you can't drink coffee. Caffeine withdrawal. That's the results you faint. And the article suggests for Orthodox Jews to use caffeine suppositories on Yom Kippur. So I did two things. One, I asked Manny Holzer, Rabbi Holzer, to Xerox the article for me. He did. Maybe he went to the Yerushalayim Gardens Hills and used that Xerox machine at that time, whatever they had. A few years later, Manny had one in his house. His kids wanted it for sources and had his own Xerox machine. That's Abkidei Kacha, father, helping kids grow up and learn and know and use. The other thing I did, Mark, is I asked the Rav, can you use caffeine suppositories on Yom Kippur? And the Rav, who already knew about the article and the suggestion, said, absolutely. And you can quote me as being Matya. And I understood what the Rav was saying. If Rakefit says, use suppositories, who the heck is Rakefit? I'm dummy. But when you say the Rav said, and I came back to Israel, and I showed it to my doctor, Dr. Goldsechonelavrach, Gild, G-I-L-D, Dr. David Gild, Australian, Bamakar. And he got all excited, and they made copies of the article and called the meeting all the English-speaking doctors, all the Anglos had their own organization, and they called a special meeting and they thanked me immensely. The whole meeting was devoted to that article and the caffeine suppositories. And from that day on, caffeine suppositories are available in Israel before Yom Kippur. One time you needed a prescription, I don't think you need it now. And readily available to help people fast. So this is the New England Journal of Medicine. And Nishmat Avraham, this individual, a first-rate doctor, a first-rate Talmud Chacham, 
wrote a commentary on the Shulchan Aruch, dealing with all the halachic problems that come up. Zach, before you drink a glass of beer, I'm quoting from the Nishmat Avraham, Kerach Dalit, the fourth volume. And this is the revised edition, Hatpasash Niyamatukenet. And I'm quoting on page Reish Zion on Shulchanarech Hoshin Mishpat that we just quoted. Asulim Soli Yisrael Biyadakim. We just quoted. Look at the commentary subdivision one, Nishmat Avraham. And he says, when a child is brought to the hospital, and he has the symptoms of the yelet muka. How do you say that in English? What's the expression? A, a, a battered child? A battered child. Hainu, what does it mean? Shvarim rubim his skull, kapayim, his limbs. And, and, and you can see that he's been beaten up or he's been burned by a by a chashmal, uh, an electric stick or something, or mayim wrote him of boiling water. Shenazubi achzoriyatu b'meizit al yedei echad u'shnei harav. Wow! The minute he has gotten proper people, mushlam, proper medical help, at that point. Can you send him home? If you send him home, he can be beaten up again. And the Nishmat Chayim Paskins, Beglau Sakonet HaNefashat HaMamashet, there's Sakonet Nefashat here. Al HaRafel HaHodil LeBeit HaMishpat. You have to tell the authorities, the court, the social workers, the and and the Beit Mishpat will either put the child and this works with social workers. Um, I know cases like this. My eldest daughter, as you know, is the first Tawenet in history and also a regular lawyer. She has dealt with cases like this. And they investigate and psychologists and medical doctors and they'll put the kid into a family that will adopt him or at least take care of him for years to come or they'll put him into an institution, a Mossad. And here you have in Israel a number of institutions at once. There were many more. When I came in all the other, there were many more. I'll tell you why. A fallout of the Holocaust was that we needed homes for children who survived without family, without parents. So you had you had more institutions years ago. Today, thank God, we don't have Holocaust children 
who survived without family. But I have to tell you, right next to where part of my family lives, not far from where I live, there's an institution that's been around from time immemorial that deals with children mainly from broken homes who simply can't go back, have no home to go to. It's a religious institution, a right-wing institution. I remember very sadly when my son-in-law went up to Lieutenant Colonel Skanaluf, so my family gave the kiddish in, in the shul that he was davening in, that he's president of, uh, he calls himself, uh, he takes care of the kitchen and the garbage, but he's also the president for maybe over 30, 40 years now. The shul would not function without him, it's over 30 years. So remember, they gave a kiddush there. And a kid from this institution heard the commotion and came in. And I saw my son-in-law and the kiddish and Skanaluf, and I said to this kid, the kid answered me, In other words, he was not being encouraged to serve in the army. And boy, I walked away very sad, and believe me, I'm sadder today that this exists. It is anti-Torah, anti-Halachic, anti-Jewish, anti-common sense, how desperately we need more soldiers today, a much bigger army, twice the size. And we need Sadiqim in the army. And Halavai, we should reach the level where we can say, as good Jews, anyone who's not Shemesh Rabbis cannot serve in the army. The Gemara and Saita, you know what I'm talking about. The Rambam, Perik Zion, Hilchat Mulachim. But, but you see, th this kid is in a Mossad. I didn't want to confuse him. Halavai, he grew up later. But I know in Meisharim, Beit HaPlatot existed, Reb Menachem Parish. So, wait a minute. You're going to give the kid away from his parents. What are you doing? Moshe, you're going to the government, you're snitching on him. But Rav Avram Paskins, Dr. Abraham, Kivan Shemedubab, Esakonet Nefashet Shomamash, Ulaholim, Yeshdin Shel Alright, well Dave, you know what I'm talking about. Someone running after someone to kill him, shoot him, trip him, kill him, knife him. Ah, you're killing someone? You're saving lives. Ro Dave. Ah Max Yeah. I don't have to answer here. I just want you to know I'm happy to see you. Max Ro Dave? Dr. Abraham? Who is he? That's like Rakefid. Remember we said that an hour ago. I'm going to open my door. said it ten minutes ago with the Rav, with, 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 with the suppositories on Yom Kippur. Who the heck cares? Rakefid? Who are you? Miata. 
Soloveitchik? Oh boy, who is this Dr. Avraham? Ah, the next part of the footnote, three giants agreed with him. First of all, the most wonderful Rav we ever had in Yerushalayim, perhaps in Israel, Harav Shlomo Zalman Orbach. He went to Rav Orbach. Rav Orbach? 100% agreement. But not only Rav Orbach, Rav Yosef Shalom, El Yashiv, the great Polsek. I knew them both. I met them both. I spoke with them both. Very interesting difference between them. Rav Shlomo Zalman always had a shmeichel, a smile on his face. Rav Yashiv, you never saw a more serious individual. And I said long ago, I may not be the only one who said this, so I, but I, I said this. I said, you know why? Rav Orbach is Rosh Hashiv and Kol Torah. He deals with students, he deals with life. There's great joy. There's great joy in teaching. Great joy in seeing the new generation. Jacob, do you know Rabbi Dr. Lieutenant Colonel Mark Wiener? Do you know how long he's been my student? Twice your age already. It's great joy for me. When I first met him, he was simply Mark. Then he became Rabbi, then Doctor, then Lieutenant Colonel. Wow, so many titles. Look at Elliot. Ask Elliot when he first met me. Twice your age. Rav Elyashiv was an Avbeitim. You know what he had to deal with? Murderers, rapists, seducers, rotten people, robbers, Hamsanim, Garslanim, Ganavim. Follow me, Max? Doesn't civil court do that in Israel? Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you. At one time, on any money issue, even today, I think they revised the law, they got it back. You can go to debate then if both parties agree. Ah. You follow? Oh. So he was involved, but when you're involved with divorce, I mean, do you know what you're involved with? My daughter says, Abba, you're naive. God have mercy what people, you, you got to hear the first part of the shoe I quoted the rub on Freud. That's then right. you'll understand me better. But, well, Yashiv never smiled. Yeah, no, Mark, forget it, forget it. Now, but I got to tell you, the other one was Rebeliezer Yehuda Waldenberg. It's the third. He was the Rav, the Posek for Shari Tzedek Hospital. So here you have three of the greatest Rabbanim in Yerushalayim and they all absolutely gave the psak that you must tell the authorities about it.
Rodef, not just a murderer, not just a rapist, but a chaloshem Rodef. And you can't keep it a secret. And you see, well, and we're going to go into much more detail next week, Be'ezrat Hashem. But we were wrong. I apologize. What, in 1971, when that wonderful young girl, today a fabulous lady, grandmother, came to me about that other teacher. And I had a run-in with him in Mechalat too. You have no idea. Sick. Sexually sick. I can't repeat. Let me not repeat our run-ins, what it was about. But I didn't go further. I just helped the lady. Why you? Do you have a problem? You throw people out. But you don't make clear to the world why. And they move on. They move on. One moves on to a different institution in America. One moves on to Israel. All right, the one who moved on to Israel, I have to say, he never taught here. And he was, it, it's, it's such a tragedy, you have no idea. It's uh, schizophrenia. On one hand, you can have terrible sexual problems, and on the other hand, you can be the nicest, most dedicated individual in the world. And Max, I want you to know I'm related to him today through marriage. My daughter-in-law's brother married his granddaughter, and they did not invite him to the wedding. I'm related today through marriage. It's sad, but this is the reality. But this is the psak. Rav Orbach agrees. Velal Yoshev agrees. And let me go one step further. And we'll end off and I'll, we'll come back to this in, in detail. It's more than that. And my daughter's had this problem. And there were terrible tragedies in Israel. We've, we've, as I said before, we never had a day where we could wake up and say, ah, no problems on our minds. There was the Sabara tragedy. Do you remember that, Vic? It's how many years ago already? 20 years plus. Wow. Sabara tragedy affected this very building. We had a Wordswiler program that would meet here during the summer. And the young lady who got married late, was pregnant, she went into town and she never came back. She was in that Sabaro. Lost her, lost the child, finally married. Shem Yerachim, the enemy we have, how stupid we were that we think like Biden and his Jewish advisors that we're dealing with the normal people said. Remember I told you two t-shirts. Jacob, I want you to give me two t-shirts. One that says Kahanat Sadak and the other one that says remember 
Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Two t-shirts. If the Hamad Sadak is too sharp for you, Ben Gavir Sadak. If that's too sharp, Smutich Sadak. Which one do you take? I think Kahana. I wouldn't. I grew up on the, the other two guys. I don't. I don't know them. No, I know all three of them. But uh, no, where I differ with Mayer, and you can never teach. Oh, that's the difference. You've heard me say it a million times. You have to teach respect for every individual. But the minute they throw up a rock, he is a rodef, and the halacha replies. So you see. There's another problem. That Sabaro, there was a whole Dutch family that was left without parents. Parents were killed, I think, one of two siblings. Terrible tragedy. Well, these were little kids at the time. Who do you give them up to for adoption? So, Vic says, only a from family. They come from a from background. Wait a minute. What about if there's no from family available? <coughs> Go a step further. It's the United States. You're dealing with San Diego, not Borough Park. Borough Park, all right, the Jews used to have influence. I hope they still do. I hope, you know, a lot of anti-Semitism in Borough Park today. Just over Shabbat, there's a whole thing in the... Where did it happen? Arutsheva? Flatbush. Could you imagine in Flatbush already, a Jew has to be protected. San Diego. Jacob, it comes before the judge, comes before the social worker. Get these kids out of the house. The parents are beating them. The parents are making them black and blue, breaking their bones. All right, we have a family for adoption. Goyim. Roman Catholic family that goes to church on Sunday. You follow the prompt? And even though Rabbi Yashiv says, I feel like Get them out of the house. Save their lives. Maybe later you can work on it and get them into a Jewish environment, a Jewish institution. But right now, Martin Hebrew, get them out of the house where their lives are in danger. My dear students, I go back to the way I began. Very hard for me to conceive of such problems among Jews. I was so naive. But I have to tell you, lower lane these problems exist. And we have to deal with it halachically. And here you have today two contradictory sources. The Shulchan Mishpat so loud and clear. Amaisa and Lochelik Liolam Haba. 
plain and simple. And on the other hand, you have the Nishmat Avraham, and it's a fabulous, fabulous safer. Anyone who's a medical doctor, who's a from medical doctor, has a Svarim in the library. I believe we have it downstairs. Am I right, Yomo? Would you know? Sure. We do? We do. Good, good, good. Look at it. What a safer. What an individual this man must be. He's a, a year or two older than I am. Should live and be well. And here's, he deals with the problem, black and white, the problem that Rav Menashe Klein has asked. And he quotes, Gedole Yisrael, you got to understand, Rav Orbach, Rav Yashiv. Rav Waldenberg, the Tzitz Eliezer. And, and these are not people who were raised in Yeshiva University. These were not people who were raised in, in the open environment that, that the Rav would agree a thousand percent. Even Rav Meisha, I would say, was raised in a much more open environment, at least when he came to the United States, but probably in Russia, even under the communists. In Minsk, where Abmesha was. And they would all agree wholeheartedly. But we have a long way to go. And I'm not telling you that the Rabbanasha Klein agrees entirely. As you will see, the thinking, the background, the children, the attitude. Next week, I wouldn't miss class for anything just to hear Rav Menashe Klein's description of a child and parents. Okay, so what did we do today? First of all, I want to thank everyone for coming. Baruch Hashem. Because my Monday class is more popular than my Sunday class. My Sunday class, you have to have an Ishama, Fishas, and Paiskim. Monday class, you have to be entertained. It's like a Broadway show. You follow Yeshiva, Chachman, Lublin, dances before you. All right, we're now beginning Volusion. I never saw such attention to my few words about the gone last Monday. People were, wow. The emails, everyone thanking me. And anyone that thanks me, I always send back the email, as Yoma will testify. Thank you for your kind words. And what's amazing is I have more students in the right-wing world than I have in my world. It's amazing. Lakewood, Satma, Gare, Neyishrael, that's in the news now, etc., etc. So. But I think the answer is that in YU they don't need me. They, I get trust to have enough people. Rabbi Heschel Shechter, Rabbi Mordechai Rilig, Rabbi Michael Warsensfly. I trust who the heck needs Rakefet. But I guess in the more right-wing world, there's a place, a place for my soul. So first of all, today we spoke about Ne'er Yisrael, Rabbi Feldman. I'm not coming back to it. It, it. it just aggravates me. And I quote the many letters I got, everyone agreeing with me, that his defense of why he didn't allow anyone to go to the rally that defense is worse than the actual act. It's beyond words. It's a palish on the Rambam 
אין לו חלק רום הבא, אין את רמב״ם עם גימל, י"א, הלכת תשובה, and what bothers me is no one in America has quoted the Rambam. Everyone is contradicting him, criticizing him. Quote the Rambam. Tell the story I told about the Rav that agitated one of my students at least. Very sad, very sad. We spoke about pigeon shvuyim. And uh, Vic is all upset, and, and all the one, and everyone agrees with me, everyone. I couldn't be Rav Malamed, and, and Rav Avinea, and Pigeon Shvuyim. This is a different case. This is not individuals. Gave you this, the link to my article that was published so many years ago and republished. Very important article. Read it, understand it, and apply it. 250s, 250, we don't talk 10, 20, 30. One for one, 250, we give you 250. Pigeon shvuyim. But halacha lemaise, it doesn't work out because look at the Shalit case. They hired public relations people and we've paid with over 4,000 lives, I believe for the one life we got back. It's beyond comprehension. But look what Jonathan Pollard had to say today. And Vic, this is why I predicted, I told my children, they're gonna give in, they're gonna make a deal, and we're gonna pay a heavy price 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. All right, halavai, halavai that I should be wrong. And then we began with the Shaila from the psychologist or the psychiatrist, Dr. Oppenheimer. I wish I knew who he was. Maybe someone in Florida can fill me in. And the terrible question, a kid, black and blue, the syndrome of a battered child. What do you do? Do we tell the authorities? And we began with the Shulchan Aruch Mishpat and the Nishmat Chayim. Are there any questions from my erudite students sitting in front of me? Yomo, open it up to the world, to the students in front of me. I say, Dasvidanya and just Besora Tovad. Uh, uh, one second. Avraham, do I see you in Flatbush? Is that you looking at me? Open up, open up, let them speak. So on who corresponds with me regularly and gives me news about Israel. He thinks we don't know what's going on here. But I see him on screen. Recording stopped. Okay. Uh, Jack, if you look into the source I gave you, you'll find a very powerful source and an answer to the question, but halachalamaisa doesn't get off the floor. Yeah, uh, Avraham, that, that's you? Let, let's see. We can't hear him. Why can't you? The mute, the mute, the unmute. Yeah. That's you, Avraham? Yes. Uh, I have to make a Shekhyonu. I see the Rosh Kailo and one of the Talmud Mubagam that I left of uh, Rabbeinu. Um, the Shirim that I've watched on uh, for publishing have been. 
the most geschmacky experience I've ever had in my life. Right, thank you. Anyone I've heard that live or seen live, it's some. And the first time I heard one, it didn't even have any subtitles. I didn't understand the word, and I was mesmerized. Thank you, thank, thank, thank you, thank you for your kind words, and you should know you're our Litva. Um, former uh, classmate of our Rothberger, Zephanu Lavrofa, his uh, son uh, turned me on to your books. Ah. Um, the last five years I've been reading them uh, every session of Chuva as a Fazar, and um, I'm sorry I'm late. Uh, well. They told me to email uh, Mr. Tarragon, and uh, so it's and he, I got the email back, and he told me uh, it started at 9 a.m. and it's 10:30 now. So uh, okay, it's Professor okay. Tarragon and Rabbi. A rabbi, uh, he's not a rabbi, but doctor, a professor, big Talmud Chacham, an atomic scientist. So uh, you're in good company. I also I want to. Uh, if, if he wasn't my phone, it's covered. No, no, he's Michael on his comment. Uh, at, at our age, and he's not that much younger than I am, we don't need titles, take my word for it. But I want you to know you're a good company because there's a Hasidic Rebbe right online next to you who also is a regular student. So, uh, Baruch Hashem, we've managed the, 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 the tone is waving at me now. I don't let him forget his yichas because I yet met his grandfather in, in Philadelphia. And he's, he, you're right next to each other on screen. So we've achieved the miracle that Hasidim and Litvakim are both united, Baruch Hashem. Now, are there any... It's a miracle that I look the way I do and I don't get stoned in the minion every day. Uh, uh, well, you wear a big kippah How? Uh, listen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we um, we got to deal with good Jews. That's all. I, I I hope I hope they're good Jews, even if they're they little. Are, um, but I was thinking about like a lot of lashonos that we use when discussing um, pre World War Two, the truth of Medina, and I'm thinking to myself, what Russia wasn't a truth of Medina, Poland wasn't a truth of Medina. Um, <laughs> if anyone in the in the room has read. Uh, Isaac Basavich Singer, Singer, they know, uh, especially his autobiography, um, and he went off the deck, but he was clearly an Ely, or could have been, and he knew a lot, uh, even before he went off the deck. It was men's. It, it was total chaos, um, like, and that's what basically started up the yeshivas. I remember uh, the Rosh Kolo talking about... Um, the Gary Rebbe having to go back and forth with uh, the Chavetz Chaim to get the Beis Yaakovs approved. I don't know if the same uh, Indian was uh, going on with the Beis Tavores. But um, outside of what's going on in there, it's well, I think the uh, scariest thing, um, it's not even the protests of these uh, young kids that have like little or no parental guidance, you know, uh, with the dual-income households. It's the way the media is covering everything. It's like, why am I paying to watch you to hear what somebody's tweeting? Well, you know, because that's what like every article is, and there's a new thing. A lot of papers will they'll write analysis underneath it because there's not enough room in the op-ed section. Yeah. And um, and going back to the trade for Medina's, um, every time I walk to shul, I am. Uh, and by their standards, I'm one of those because I'm a 10 minute walk to, uh, to the shul I go to 
And I literally, um, I walked down Ocean Parkway from, and I'm um, between Church and Caton Avenue, if anyone knows Brooklyn. And um, the second I cross from Beverly uh, uh, Avenue to Avenue C, it's mezuzah, 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 mezuzah. Um, I've spoken to a few people, or I've tried to, um, they have no idea about global and yonim that are going on, and I'm talking about even people that are computers, etc. They've never worked with a guy. They've never worked with a guy in their life. They're all um, second generation, or first generation, like my, like most of them are first generation, like my father. Um, first generation survivors, you mean? Uh, no, first generation Americans. First generation uh, Americans, yeah, okay. parents were either survivors or got out before. Um, and it's just, that's been terrifying. I've written um, emails both to the OU and the Aguda Media Department. And uh, since I wrote a Tenler article in Hamavaser that uh, I came across, which I found very entertaining, they have really stepped up their game. I, I, I can't take that away from them. But um, if half of them are such a stark in the following of Chaim Kanievsky's psak, not to use the computer and the phones, they're not getting their good emails, they're not getting uh, the news flashes, they're not even seeing what's on Yeshiva World News, which is minimal. And, you know, as far as the extent of the anti-Semitism and, and what I've been reading, at least, there's, you're getting more Hilonim now. Because of uh, anti-Semitism, I was reading a whole article about, uh, I forgot which country they were from, New Zealand and um, I think South Africa, a little from Ireland, uh, joining up in Tel Aviv University, transferring out because of the anti-Semitism they're seeing. Um, my parents, uh, you know, before the, uh, the virus, um, they felt they, they, they wanted to leave Brooklyn. They, they lived in Mill Basin, which is not, you know, for people in Brooklyn, they know it's not like a yeshivish uh, place. It's a lot of Sfaradim uh, now. But um, you know, my mother wanted to live there. Um, and, you know, I, you know, she could every time before Shabbos, because there's, there's a lot of Indians and Bengalis around here. She's like, be careful, be careful. I go, you're 15 blocks away from Columbia University. You, you need to be careful. You know, because these are, the, these are the kids that are protesting. And they're not just chanting from sea to sea. I, I, I just caught it by accident, like Eric Shab, just intifada, intifada. And I'm like, wow, wow. I mean, if France could stop these protests and arrest people, uh, those, the, you know, to me, they're still all Vinci, you know, from, from World War II, you know, it, it, you know, people don't change in two generations. And they're stopping these protests, I, you know, and I'm watching NYP just walk around and just stand there and just, and just watch it. And you know, and whether you should, I'm not going to get into politics with the previous uh, POTUS, but uh, you know, if you're going to put him on for incitement, you know, you're talking about what's going on. The entire media is—it's very insightful. The images. I think I saw the same five infant incubators fifty times. You would think it was like five hundred babies. <laughs> you know, and any any piece of information from Eretz I have to say, it has not yet been verified. You know. But uh, according to the Hamas Health Ministry, and I'm scratching my head, and I'm going, you know, I remember what, uh, you know, the dumb cuff Bush II said, that we will hunt them down and all those who offer them. And we're sitting here and negotiating with them, and it's not like we have to go hunting in the mountains 
to find these people. They're sitting, uh, drinking champagne cocktails, uh, looking at belly dances in Qatar, you know, and, uh, you know, when Biden talks to Qatar to talk to them, that, it's, it's just, I, I don't understand. They, it, they're being legitimized, basically, as a, as a, as a government. That's, uh, that's what's terrifying me the most. I wish. Um, well, I, I, and, we, and and I don't understand, I don't know if you guys, the politicians over there, like media training. You gotta start saying, stop using the word Palestine. They're Gazans. Call them Gazans. Call them uh, the Gazan government. You know, the Hamas party of the Gazan government. That's what they are. That like you know, that's the thing. That's the China. You know, and uh, I think it was a, a you know a little bit I saw as far as uh, you know they were reporting even on the liberal ones that there were just like even people not related you know on the return, despite the fact that on the first day half of them were Islamic Malaysian anti-Semites. Um, you know, there were like thousands of Jews I heard at all these different locations. You know, just showing support, which to me was a kiddush Hashem. Um, I only saw the article in the Time of Israel as far as what YU did in joining the, um, on the buses, listening to the Rambu, which I heard from you. I didn't know he was being called that now. Um, Mordechai Willig. You know, I, couldn't, I started printing out articles. I given it to the Murakas or where I am. Um, this may be like, I found maybe two or three guys that that, that, that I doubt like, that know what's going on. You know, even... Not just the anti-Semitism, they know what's going on in Pakistan. You know, that I, I dug up, I found like in the back of, I think it was the Washington Post. Um, we just expelled like 5,000 Afghanis because of an insurgency from the Taliban. Which is very scary because if they get in there, you're talking, everything we talk about could possibly just be mute. The global warming and all this Mishikash. They'll, they'll just launch everything that's in the Pakistan arsenal. And, uh, and that will be a Tafis Ayyaman or whatever. Okay. And it's, uh, I, I just feel it's a very scary time. I would love to get over there. I, I don't know how. Um, I, I've been to volunteer organizations. They say, it's like uh, if I wanted to become a cop or something. Uh, you missed the deadline. You're, uh, you know, you're over 35, you're over 40. I'll tell you what, uh, what, what uh, I'll tell you from I have to we have to clear out of here uh, of the classes coming in but I'll tell you what you can do Americans are coming over to pick vegetables and fruit and to plant and that you have to find out who's organizing it I don't know offhand but I know a whole group came over from Englewood and Teaneck and I know I have is Ben Gurion open? Uh, like ben Gurion is open, but only Alal is flying here. That's the that. But Ben Gurion's open. Of course, the airport's open. We're getting uh, ammunition, etc. All right. Are there any other questions from anyone listening across the world? All right. So let me remind you: tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Be'ezrat Hashem, we pick up with the Vilna Gaon, and we move on into Velushin. Until we thank you so much for honoring me with your presence until we meet again in health and happiness, Dasvidanya. Okay. Welcome to you. Uh, how is your wife? Tova. Good